0: This morning we're in Revelation chapter 5. We're going to be preaching through the entire chapter today. This message is entitled, Worthy. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and And in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped let us pray Father in heaven, we come before you as you are seated on your throne. And we give you all praise and glory this morning for what you have done through Christ. He alone is worthy to open the scroll in which you have handed him. You have given him all authority on heaven and earth. Father, there is nothing, there is nothing that exists that has ever existed, that ever will exist, to which you do not say, this is mine. You are worthy of all honor, of all glory, of all might, of all power, of every blessing. You are worthy of our praise, every praise, every prayer. Everything that we do, Lord, may we do it for your glory and for you alone. May our allegiance not be divided. May our worship be given to no other. May you constantly be in every thought that we have, Lord. Guiding and directing us by your perfect Holy Spirit that he would lead us to greater holiness so that one day we too might Worship as these four living creatures, as these 24 elders, as the angels, as the hosts of heaven worship. Father, we ask all of this in Christ's name, amen. Last week, we were given a view of God's throne room where we got to see the Father in heaven seated on His throne. Today, God is going to be handing over a scroll to the only one who is worthy to open it. And so we're going to walk through chapter 5. I'm going to explain some of the symbolism, and hopefully this will lead us to worship. So let's just walk through this passage. Does that sound good? So if you have your Bibles... By the way, my Bible is all marked up. Not marked up as much as it will be. It's pretty marked up. I say mark it up, highlight it up. Do whatever you can. And there's a lot to highlight here. John writes, Then I saw in the right hand of Him who's seated on the throne, and that's God. That's that's God Almighty seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Folks, scrolls in this time would have been sealed, not necessarily with seven seals. That declares the importance of this scroll and what's in it, and only those who were allotted or given the, uh, given the ability or the authority to open that scroll might break that seal to break that seal and not be have the authority to break that seal would have constituted a grave grave transgression and so it's sealed not once not twice but seven times over and that scroll was written on the front and the back which would have been highly unusual for a scroll to be written on the front and on the back what is this scroll What we're going to see is that the scroll that is held in the hands of God Almighty is all of redemptive history. All of it. But it has to be unfolded. It has to be revealed. And it has not yet been revealed in its fullness So then I saw on the right hand of him seated on the throne a scroll written within, and on the back sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel, not just any angel, a mighty angel, proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And it says, John writes, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. No one, not even the mighty angel, not even the four creatures, not even the 24 elders, no one was allowed to open that scroll. No one had been given authority to open that scroll. No one has been given the authority to reveal redemptive history. No one. If we are not careful, we will miss the significance of this. If no one can open this scroll, if no one is worthy to open this scroll, then we are not saved. Salvation does not occur. This is all of redemptive history. John realizes this, he realizes the implications of no one being worthy, not himself. Now, I mean, if an angel in heaven seated in the throne room of God, if these four living creatures who have eyes everywhere, seeing all things, if they are not worthy to open the scroll, who is worthy to open the scroll? I was trying to think of analogies for this case. And folks, I had several, most of them involving comic books. And I'm just going to tell you, They all belittled this moment. I'm not even going to bring them up. The fact is is that there is no one that is worthy to unveil redemptive history except for one. And it says, And I, meaning John, began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. They weren't even allowed to look in it. They weren't even allowed to like, hold it up to their eye in the sunlight, kind of peer, and just like, get a glimpse of what redemptive history was. They weren't allowed to look upon it for some reason, even though it was written on the back. They weren't able to see uh, on the back, even though it was written on the back and on the front and within and everywhere. I mean, this is redemptive history. It's a lot of information here, and they were not worthy to even look upon it. And one of the elders said to John, it says it said to me john weep no more weep no more you know there is going to be a day i believe when christ is going to look upon us and say weep no more weep no more i'm jumping ahead several chapters but there is a day when every tear will be erased There is a day when there will be no more pain. When COVID is gone, there will be another sickness. When cancer is gone, there will be another disease. When car crashes no longer happen, there will be something else to cause pain and destruction. Until Christ returns and wipes every tear from our eye. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. The brokenness that we have now will be no more. And the elder says to John, weep no more. Why? Why? No one is worthy to open the scroll. Why should we weep? There is cause for weeping if the scroll cannot be open. And he says, behold. By the way, that word behold is more, he could have just said, look. In fact, it's a very similar word, I believe, in the Greek, just look. But no, it's behold. I mean, look upon it. Stare at it. Gaze at it. Do not divert your eyes. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. There is one who is worthy. There is one who is worthy. Now, why does John, or why does the elder, describe Christ as this? Well, he's taken all of the Old Testament, all the predictions of the Old Testament, all the New Testament as it is revealed to us, and it's culminating in this one sentence to describe who Christ is. He is The Messiah. He is the anointed one. Who is this Christ? He has always been the one who was worthy to open the scroll, to break those seals. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, just like it was professed by the prophets. He is the root of David. He is a son by birth of David. He is in the line of David. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ, and he has conquered. Now, how does Christ conquer? He does not conquer as they thought that he would conquer. He conquers, as Tom Schreiner says it, not by mauling his enemies but by laying his life down, which is what we are going to see. He is the Lion of Judah, the Root of David. He is conquered, and because he has conquered by allowing himself to be ultimately put to death on a cross, on that, on that cursed tree, he has now been afforded the only authority to be able to open this scroll of redemptive history. And it says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. So there's a lamb as though it had been slain, meaning that you could tell that it had been slain. This is Passover language. This is language of sacrifice. This is language uh, that depicts an image of a lamb being slaughtered, being slain every morning and every evening for the sins of Israel. This is a lamb being slain as the Israelites are are escaping from Egypt by the power of God. This is the lamb of God by whom you will be saved. So you have the elders, and you have the four living creatures, and then there is this lamb standing as though it had been slain. And upon its head, there's seven horns. Now, horns in Scripture depict might. They depict power. They depict strength. Why would this lamb... Have seven horns because it's perfect power. It's complete strength and might. It's perfect omnipotence. There is nothing more powerful than this lamb. You know, if you're playing a, a video game where you get to choose your character to, to play to fight the battles. you know you're gonna pick something, you might pick a lion, right? to maul the competition. You might pick a mighty warrior, you know, you might pick you know something with muscles and with with massive armor and with these massive this broadsword or axe to go and defeat the enemies. But it wasn't any of those things that conquered. It was a lamb. You would never pick a lamb. You would never pick a lamb, but this lamb is perfect in every way. Perfect in power, perfect in might. With seven horns and with seven eyes. And it says, which are, meaning the eyes, are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth? Who sent the Holy Spirit into the earth to be our companion, to be our, uh, to be our, our, uh, our, our minister in the earth? It was the Holy Spirit. And we've already talked about how the Holy Spirit, how these seven spirits represent the perfect Holy Spirit that is going out to minister to the earth. So you have this lamb perfect in every way. And it says here, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. Now, folks, I I just, these are little things that you may miss if you don't just read it slowly and carefully. This lamb just walks up to the throne of God Almighty, and takes the scroll out of his right hand. Let alone who is worthy to open the scroll. Who is worthy to approach the throne of God? I mean, seriously, this lamb just walks up and takes the, takes the scroll from God. Who is worthy in, in doing I would be terrified of approaching God Almighty in this fashion. It's God Almighty. But that's what the Lamb does. And He went and took the scroll from the right hand of Him who is seated on the throne. And when He had taken the scroll... And the rest of this is a worship service, folks. The rest of this, the rest of this passage is just one big worship service. And I love it. What happens? The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense incense which are the prayers of the saints what does this tell us this is no ordinary lamb this is the lamb of god and who is worthy of worship well god is worthy of worship he is the only one we are to worship you worship god and god alone right but these creatures and these elders, what are they doing? They are falling on their faces. They are bringing harps, the musical instrument for worship. By the way, this is the part where we get you know angels playing on a cloud with a harp, right? Okay, much different picture here, okay? And then we have these bowls of incense, right? Which are the prayers of the saints, which is also an element of worship. And they fall down before the Lamb and they sang a new song. This lamb is worthy of our worship. Through this whole thing, through this whole thing, you might be thinking that the main point of this passage is about that scroll. Folks, the main point of this passage is not a scroll. The main point is to say that Jesus is worthy. That is the main point of this passage. If you come away from this passage thinking that, oh, somebody's going to open the scroll, somebody's going to open the scroll. It's not about the scroll, it's about Jesus. It is about Jesus, the Lamb of God. And they sang, the the, the scroll is just a tool to reveal who is worthy, who is capable. And they sang this new song, and I love this song. Worthy are you, to the Lamb, to take the scroll and to open its seals. But why? What gives him the the authority? For you were slain. It was by his death. His death is what gave him the authority. There is no one else that had the, the capability of opening these scrolls because no one else had died for the sins of many. None of them have. Yes, many lambs had been slaughtered, many rams have been slaughtered for the sins of Israel. But remember, they had to continually be slaughtered every day and every year. There was no end in sight until the Lamb of God walked that hill bearing his own cross and climbed was nailed to that cross and was killed for the sins of many. He is worthy because he was slain. And it says, And by your blood you ransomed people for God. You ransomed people for God. What is that saying? It's saying that every single human being was imprisoned by sin. Every one of them, every one of us, we were bound in the chains of sin And the only way to be released was for someone to pay the ransom. And that's what Christ did. His blood was the ransom. You ransomed people for God. Now, who did he ransom? He did not ransom just these Jewish individuals. He did not ransom those individuals who kept the Torah perfectly. He did not ransom the most powerful in society. He did not ransom all of those who were kind all the time. What does He ransom? He ransomed from every tribe and language and people and nation. What is it that can unite all people under one cause. It is no politician. It is no movement. It is nothing like that. It is only the blood of Christ that unites us. From every nation, every language, and every tribe, this is a unified whole. Christ is saving people from every walk of life, from every corner of life. uh, When 9-11, the anniversary of 9-11 occurred uh, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, um, I heard individuals say and lamenting the fact that they wish people would be as united as they were on September 12, 2001. You all know what I mean by that, right? It seemed like on, this, on September 12, 2001, that all of the differences that we had were laid aside... And that we can't we gathered and we did. I remember that. It was a it was a very surreal, if you remember it, a very surreal moment in our history where all this just hatred and all this, you know, for most people, obviously not the people that flew the planes in the tower, but for most people, all the hatred and all this pain was was we were in the midst of, we were united for this one cause, right? And there was a sense, even in that moment there is a sense of serenity if you will right just this sense of not i don't want to say peace because it was a horrible horrible tragedy but it was this strange surreal moment of unity that did not last very long but the blood of christ brings a unity that is everlasting it says forever I always think it's funny when somebody writes forever and ever. How can you get longer than forever? Well, by adding the word ever on the end of it, right? For all eternity, Christ is bringing these people from every tribe, language, people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of and priests to our God. That's what we are going to be, a kingdom of priests. And they shall reign on the earth. Just a reminder that heaven is not our home. That the new earth is going to be our final home for all eternity. Verse 11, Then I looked and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Let's read that again, okay? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain for what? To receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Is there anything else that one might receive? Is there anything else that one might receive? Everything that an individual could ever want is encapsulated in that right there. Mm -hmm. And the only one who is worthy to receive all of it is Christ. Mm -hmm. Only Him. See, sometimes we believe that we are worthy, that we deserve all of these things. But we don't. We don't. Only Jesus Deserves and is worthy to receive these things. In verse 13, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, Folks, this is everything. Everything is saying this to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. It seems as if it's repeating itself, right? Sometimes modern praise courses get criticized for repeating themselves over and over and over. Well, That's modeled here in Scripture, folks. These creatures and these elders often say the same thing over and over and over. Because what else is there to say? It's Christ, the only one who is worthy. And it says, and the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down in worship. So you have this throne room. You have the four living creatures. You have God Almighty seated on the throne. You have the 24 elders surrounded representing the people of God. They might might be angels. We're not 100% sure. But they represent the people of God for all time, from all time, They have harps, they have these bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, the prayers of Christians. And here between them and the throne is this lamb with seven horns representing the might of Christ, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, the perfect Holy Spirit being sent out into all the earth. And what does Christ do? What does the lamb do? He walks up. He's no no longer dead, folks. He's alive. He walks up, this lamb, and he is handed. God willingly hands him this scroll to which he alone is worthy to open. And just the mere fact that he, re- he hasn't even opened it yet, and what happens? Everyone falls down and worships. Not only is he worthy to receive this scroll, he's worthy to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Now, this is what John is seeing. This is what John is seeing. And here's how I take this personally. When I read this and I see what is happening, I think how pathetic am i and my in my attempts to worship christ how completely distracted am i that i get so distracted by everything else in the world All the things going on. You know, I mean, I came in here and I was talking to some of you about some of the stuff that's been happening in my life, which are big things to me, but in the grand scheme of things, Christ is on His throne. How is it that we can go day to day and only acknowledge Him before a meal, and maybe in the evening, and maybe on Sunday morning. How is it that we can do that and not feel completely guilty that we are not giving everything to Christ? Now, He has called us to do more. He's called us to go to work. He's called us for us to uh, to give to our families and to support our families and to live for our families and, and those sorts of things. We need to be doing those things. My point is this. How is it that we are able to go day to day and do those functions without Christ being on the very forethought of our minds? Where we are doing everything for the glory of Christ. Because if we're not doing it for the glory of Christ, is it worth anything? It's not. It's not. What are we doing for the glory of Christ? This is who Jesus is. He is the only one worthy. He is the only one worthy to open the scroll of all redemptive history. He is the only one worthy to receive all of these things that many of us are fighting for, clawing, tooth and nail. We're trying to get all these things, but Christ is the only one worthy. And this, I'll tell you what this this does. It makes me think of how pathetic... I am sometimes in my worship, but it encourages me, it encourages me to know that I can do so much more. There is so much more that we could be doing. And that there's so much more that we can that we can be reaching for, turning our gaze upon Christ and thinking and praying and reading and all of these things in order to commit ourselves to Christ. And that's what I want to commend to you. I want to commend to you, folks. I also want to bring this point out. We are living in a culture, in a society right now, that makes many claims, one of them being that there are many ways to salvation. And I often bring up John fourteen six, that Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him, right? I bring that up a lot. But why is that true? It's because of this. It's because Jesus is the only one who's worthy. There is no one else worthy for us to worship and praise except for Christ. This week, as you take time in your devotions, as you go through your week... Remind yourself what is happening around the throne of heaven. Remind yourself that God is seated on on the throne. Remind yourself that Christ is the Lion of Judah, but also the Lamb of God, standing, receiving the scroll from the Father, opening up all of redemptive history. Remind yourself that when you get bogged down through this week, and many of us will, I will, I know that I will get bogged down this week. I do most weeks get bogged down. I'll just readily admit to you. I need to remind myself of who's seated on the throne. I need to remind myself of what all of this is about. I need to remind myself that my Christ is worthy of worship and worthy of praise regardless of what's going on in my life. Regardless of who has hurt me, regardless of who is standing against me, I know that Christ is for me. And He alone is worthy. And if that doesn't cause us to worship, folks, then what can? What can? Let's pray. Father, we thank You. And we thank You that Christ is worthy. The only one worthy. And Father, I pray that our worship would reflect that. I pray that our prayers would reflect that. I pray that our lives would reflect the fact that Christ alone is worthy and that we would give our lives for Him, to Him. That we might sing, that we might praise. That we might dance if the Spirit leads us. I pray that all distractions would flee and that Christ would remain and we would turn our eyes upon Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen.